Welcome to the EFCA West podcast. I'm Tim Jacobs, District Superintendent of EFCA West and your host for today's podcast. This episode is the audio version of a Wednesday workshop that we do once a month here at EFCA West on Zoom called Post-Election Reflections with Kevin Complin, who is the president of the Evangelical Free Church of America, and Jack Hamilton, who spent decades as the executive pastor of High Desert Church in Victorville, California, and now mentors pastors all over the United States. Now, this was the day after the election, and in this episode, we talk about the thoughts and emotions that those in our congregations are experiencing right now, and what it looks like for us as leaders to keep the mission clear in these days. And because undoubtedly every pastor and leader in America has been put in a brutally difficult situation, we then dive into very practically and personally how to handle criticism. That was my favorite part, because if we're going to make it over the long haul, we've got to learn how to deal with the pain that comes from those who have faithfully walked with us and then for whatever reason choose to walk away or even to turn against us. And even talking about what it looks like to be winsome, the word winsome, we haven't used that in a while, but it could not be more necessary and relevant now. So get ready for a very powerful, practical, and life-giving conversation with these two experienced and authentic leaders. Let's go now to post-election reflections. I am so excited about this. Thank you for being here um, with us today. A couple of thoughts. You know, I, I'm today is is you know we're a day after the election, and in some ways, I just feel like this is the culmination of what's just been a a, a year like no other, right? Yeah. And who would have thought back in January or February that, you know, we would have dealt with the things that we're dealing with. But I almost feel like, and what I'm hoping is, is that we'll have some resolution to everything and, and we can move on and enjoy the holidays and, and move to better times, you know, one way or the other. Um, I think that, that you guys, nothing would be better for our churches than that. But I want to say that just first of all, starting out that it's been awesome to journey with you guys. And, and you know, um, we want to continue to do these things, but I see a lot of the same names, a lot of the same faces month after month. And um, this is, it's been a tough journey, but it's been one we've gone on together. And so uh, that's made it totally worthwhile. And I really appreciate each and every one of you. And, and the mission moves forward and God's doing great stuff. Um, we're also going to record this too. So you, I know some people reached out to me and said they couldn't make it, but they're going to want to watch it later, especially because of who our guests are. And they were like, wow, these guys, we want to hear from these guys. And they're very encouraged about that. So also really want to just remind you guys really quick. We do have a podcast, the EFCA West podcast. Recently, um, I talked with Brian Chan from Emmanuel Burbank on the theology of beauty. That was a really amazing conversation. If you haven't checked out those podcasts, we're just trying to get people from around the district. And I think everyone's got an interesting story, interesting context. I'd love to interview every single one of our pastors. I think everybody has got something great going on. And, but but it, was a, it was a fascinating conversation. So I called this post-election reflections. And not because I want, um, we're not going to talk today about, you know, who's going to take Wisconsin or Pennsylvania. We're not going to do any of that stuff. Rather, what we're going to talk about is really help us really define reality and help us figure out where we should go. And I know that uh, Bob on our team talks about that a lot. You know, the leader's job is to define reality and, and to tell the truth. And, and that's our job. And we've got to do that for ourselves. 
And then we've also got to do that for our congregations. And so as we were trying to predict what kind of place that we would be in on, you know, the day after the election, our team talked about who would be who would be the people that we'd be fantastic to invite to, to be our guests and to kind of um, share their insights with us. And so um, I just am so excited. I think God could not have lined up uh, two better guys um, and leaders for us to speak with today. So first of all, first of all, if you haven't met him, I want to introduce you to Jack Hamilton. You've seen him before in our, um, our zoom calls. He's, he's dropped in a bunch of times and um, he has just recently stepped down from being an executive pastor at uh, high desert church in, in the Victorville area um, where he was at for 36 years. So that alone tells you about um, his, his tenure and his, his credibility there. But now he mentors, um, a number of pastors, I think about at least 10 pastors, senior pastors that he's currently mentoring. Um, he also works with Ray Johnston. I think you're mentoring Ray Johnston out there in Bayside Church. Um, That's a church. So, yeah. <laughs> Just a, a little tiny church out there in the, up there in Sacramento. Um, and he's also a board member at Fellowship Monrovia with Albert Tate. And uh, so it's with him also. And then he's on the board of Forest Home Christian Conference Center. And while he's not officially... EFCA. He mentors a number of our EFCA pastors, and we consider him an ally and a friend. So, um, Jack, thanks for taking time to be with us. And um, we're also privileged to have with us my boss, uh, President Kevin Compline of EFCA. And uh, Kevin is uh, has the wonderful job of, of herding the cats of, of our denomination. And Kevin, for a number of years, was the lead pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, which is in our district. So he has been an EFCA West guy for a long time, in addition to being our president, and then also uh, still continues to attend um, that church. And, and Kevin uh, still living in San Jose and able to pull that off um, and still be our, our, our president. So, um, and then his, both you and your wife, Becky, there are, are still there at, uh, at Hillside. So Kevin, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks for taking time. So, and actually, Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, Kevin, I want to kind of start off with you. Um, if, is there, if, if there was one verse or passage that you could give us that's been especially important to you during this time, during this political season, that could really speak to us as pastors and leaders, what would you, what would you give us to kind of kick us off? Well, you know, the one, the one uh, verse of scripture that God's really been uh, drilling deep in my soul as I looked at it, um, I, there, there are a couple of scriptures I go to, First uh, Timothy chapter 2, obviously I'll get there in a minute, the significance of praying for those in leadership. But the one that God's really been drilling deep in my heart in my own prayer time is, is from Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. And that is, righteousness exalts a nation, and sin is, is, is a disgrace to any people. And I found myself praying that righteousness would prevail in America. It's not about candidate. It's not about a specific candidate. It's about if righteousness, if the character of God will bless a nation, I want to pray for that. And, and I found myself praying that whoever is elected, Lord, would you move in their hearts that issues of righteousness would matter to them? And, and, and that because that will bless our nation. And to do that, that's something that's helped me move out of sort of the, you know, red or blue political side of this, but rather to say, what's the, what are the essential things that I need to pray for leaders? And um, one of the things, that's one of the things I've found myself going back to over and over again, righteousness exalts a nation, sin is a disgrace to any people. 
and, and wow. praying for that within the context of our nation. And that's Proverbs 14, 34. 34. Yeah. 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 That's a, that is a fantastic uh, verse. I think I love that because it does cut across. It's not about the, the political parties because we need, we need to get to some kind of place of unity. Um, and Kevin, what, given that, I mean, what are you seeing in our EFCA churches in general? Like what has been the mood that you've sensed as you talk to pastors from around the country? Well, you know, Sam, that's a great question because it's hard to it's hard to separate the the political season we're in from the pandemic season we're in, mm-hmm. and I think there's there really is, is is sort of this 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 mood out there of pastors being weary of the polarized journey on so many things they've had to that they've had to walk. I mean, whether it's whether it's how do you deal with people in your church on a political uh, the political spectrum, some of whom could never understand how a Christian could vote for this candidate, and some can't understand how a Christian could vote for that candidate, and they're both in the same church. And they're very, they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're outspoken about what they're saying. And, and so there, there's that pressing. I would say the, at the same time, you have the pandemic issues of when to regather, how do we regather, are there masks, are there not masks, do we do it outside, do we do it inside? All of the time coming back to what one, one, uh, one of your colleagues, Tim, one of our district superintendents in the Midwest said to me a couple weeks ago, he said, I'm just seeing decision fatigue everywhere among pastors and leaders in our churches. That they're, they're just exhausted from making decisions that they know over a third of their congregation probably will not be happy with. And, and most guys didn't go into ministry to make decisions to have people in their church get ticked off at them about it. But that's kind of where we live. And so when I think about that weariness, that sense of, oh, my goodness, how, how do we navigate this and keep people pointed to the mission? Um, and and that's, that's the thing uh, for a number of pastors. I know they're just they're, they're hanging on to we keep pointed to the mission. What's God called us to do? What's ca- God called us to do in this day? And, and that's what I think, honestly, why I appreciated the, the topic of this webinar is, OK, the voting is done. They still have to be counted. Somebody's going to win, and now the question is, what do we do in the face of whoever wins, and what? Go, what? Do, how do we go forward with this? And it's how do we keep the mission of God in the forefront of what's happening? Because truthfully, um, the mission of God has gone forward in some pretty significant ways in some very difficult political situations in the history of the church. Uh, we're not the first ones to wrestle with this, and um, and and yet when I watch pastors, there's just this weariness that's out there. And, and trying to, you know, it's, it's almost like, how do I keep my kids from like beating on each other about some of these things? And there's a little bit of that sense of that's out there, I think. Yeah. And um, I'm glad you said that because I think it's important for everybody on this call to know that you're not alone when you're going through this. To hear our president talk that this is what he's seeing from around the nation. If, if you're making a decision, and one of the things I've said is when I get the chance to speak in churches is... If you're not happy with the decision that your leadership is making, probably they're probably not happy with it either. It's just you, you just got to do something <laughs> one way or the other. Yeah. And, and it's important to know that you're not alone. So, so Jack, let me yeah. toss it over to you. I mean, you've been mentoring pastors through all of this. What are some of the leadership challenges that this, that this election, this season has caused? And, and how, how, are you, how are you guiding the, the, the guys that you're working with? Yeah. First thing, I want to go back to Kevin. Uh, a couple things. 
uh, Kevin wrote a good article recently called Leading Toward Unity, that Ephesians 4.3 passage about God's called us to unity, and he gives us unity. It's up to us to maintain it, but I think that should be one of our driving thoughts in the next couple of weeks with our people. But also, Kevin and I just had dinner Saturday with Steve Clifford about succession. He's right there in San Jose with you. I'm sure you know oh, him. That's, I do. I do. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, yeah he's, Steve's a great guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking, you know, I'm not even answering your question in a way, Tim, but I, I just, you know, I'm a simple guy, and I've been, I think, through 13 different elections for presidents, and uh, I'm not as old as Kevin, but, uh, just kidding, and, uh, but I, I just think, you know, so I remember back in uh, 68 and 72 with the Vietnam War, it was a crazy time, maybe not as crazy as today, but I just remember, and I come back to that simple thing, God is sovereign, he is in control, and we got to get our people to understand that. And I do think sometimes the challenge for us is, and, and I, I even believe this, Tim, some churches, are, they don't have a clear articulated purpose. And again, we're always driven back to the Great Commission. God's called us to reach the world for Christ. And so we don't want to create these enemies. You know, Jesus wasn't a Republican or a Democrat. And we need to build bridges to people. So we have to be careful when we get in these debates and so forth with folks uh, that we lose sight of what God's called us to do, and that's our primary purpose. And we all know this, every person, every man and woman on this Zoom call today knows that Jesus is the hope of the world. And that's all we got. And we got to come back to that. So that's kind of a simplistic view for me, Tim. I just, uh, I believe that uh, we got to get back and remind the people why God put us here in that sense. And I, I think even the mood of the church, I agree with everything Kevin said, working with a lot of guys there is an exhaustion. There's decision fatigue. There's so much. A lot of guys are talking now about quitting or they feel like quitting. They might not necessarily do it. We'll have to wait and see what happens after this COVID-19 maybe winds down. But it's, fun. it's fascinating to me that COVID-19 has affected everything. I mean, it's the way we look at life, the way we look at our future, where we go out to dinner, what we do for recreation, our kids' education, our politics. Racial injustice has been inflamed by the COVID-19. It's just permeating everything. And uh, it's amazing to me that we can't kind of see past that. Um, but, but we'll see, uh, you know, people are dealing with anger, People are dealing with uh, disappointment and so forth. And I'm actually kind of thankful that the election wasn't decided last night because I think that little distance will maybe spread us out a little bit over time rather than having one uh, candidate declared the winner, even though one declared himself the winner. But anyway, that declared the winner and, and have people go out and do stupid things, whatever side, because there's going to be uh, hopelessness on one side or the other, anger, uh, just disappointment, whatever you want to call it. So we need to guide our people through that, help them with those kinds of things. And again, just challenge them to demonstrate the character of Christ. Uh, because, you know, even economically, Tim, in our area in the high desert, we have people that I think are bitter because they've lost their business, they've lost their income, 
But then on the other side of it, the other extreme, we have a lot of building. New houses are going on, subcontractors are doing well, doing remodels and things like that. They're making a lot of money. But then on the other side, kind of these mom and pops that had the antique store, they're broke and they're going to have to sell their business and store and everything. So we have the extremes, just like it seems like we have in everything across the board, politics, whatever it is, the whole regathering issue, the mask issue, as Kevin said, it's just extreme. Yeah. I don't even this, know if answer the question, Tim. <laughs> I just no. Ran. No, no, that's helpful because it, it sounds like what you're saying. And by the way, if you have a question for either one of these gentlemen, please put it in the chat box because um, I have I wrote a bunch of questions, but this isn't about me. It's about all of us here. Um, but but I, I, I think that's important because you brought up the idea of really having a sensitivity to all of the various scenarios that the people among us find themselves in. Because they're not necessarily all bad. And I've, I've had to be careful because I've told people, you know, I've had a pretty good year overall because, you know, there's been all this confusion and I've had the chance to bring people together on Zoom and, you know, and whatever. And it's it caused a lot of relationships to be built. But, but, you know, to be sensitive to all the different scenarios, but then also to like have that skill of being able to help other people understand the uh, scenarios different from theirs, right? To get them out of their box. Isn't that kind of our job to help people see others? Yes. You know, Tim, would... you're right. I think one of the things that I see too is that when, when, when almost every discussion is framed as right or wrong, uh, we miss the, how can I understand you? I want to understand what, what, why this is important to you. And I think we're, we're in a day where, where things are framed black and white, right and wrong. We're, we're in many ways, I, I think some of the issues related to regathering in churches, it's, it's probably more about what's wise than it is about what's right or wrong. And asking questions of wisdom, to me, seem to be really significant questions. But so often in our day-to-day, -day, things are framed as right or wrong. And even in, in the conversations we have with people, if I approach a conversation with one of you and it's, I want to understand what your thinking is about this, please help me to understand because I care about you. I may disagree with you, but I want to understand where you are. That, that's, a, that's a radically different place than in a, I'm going to win in this and I'll crush you if I have to to win. I mean, that, that, that's sort of that, that's the attitude in some places that permeates our culture, which which is antithetical to the character of Christ. And, and so when I, when I think about that, I mean, even uh, there, there's an old English word we don't use much anymore, but it's one I've thought about a lot in the last few months. And it's the word winsome. I, th I think it's time for Christians to be winsome people in our world where we speak the truth in love. We, we talk about what, I mean, Paul wrote about in Ephesians chapter four, which is what Jack referred to an article I wrote a month or two ago. Um, because I think that that passage on unity is extremely important. Jesus gave us the unity of the spirit. He challenges us to keep it. Right. And it's speaking the truth in love. Uh, John wrote that about Jesus in John chapter one, verse 14, the last part of that verse, when he says, he describes Jesus as being full of grace and full of truth. I don't think anybody other than probably Mary, his mother knew Jesus as well as John. And he describes him as being full of grace and full of truth. That's winsomeness. It's people wanted to be around Jesus. And so, and it's not about you give up truth. It's you speak truth and love. You speak it filled with grace. It's, and I think we have an opportunity as believers post this post-election to model winsomeness that we, yeah. that people would say, wow, I want to be with you because you care about me and you care about truth. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think you guys are hitting on something really important because, and I'd love for you to speak on this because what I've noticed is our, our congregations have been pushing pastors that if they don't take one side or the other politically or on reopening, that they're somehow weak and they're somehow, you know, not addressing the issue. But what I'm hearing from both of you is, is this isn't about weakness. This is about the ability to define reality in such a way that we say, no, no, we have a third option. It's not Republican or Democrat. It's not opening the church or closing the church. There's this other option that we're pushing towards, pushing towards that has to do with the mission and has to do with wisdom and has to do with love. And I think we, we don't think that that's a force the way that, that it should be. Like that is a proactive track. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree, Tim. I, let, me, let me just jump in on one last thing. And I'm, I'm sorry, Jack, I'm talking way too much here. Uh, <laughs> but, but one of the things, when I think of mission, it's staying on mission. I, I was just reflecting um, this morning again. I was, I, we had uh, our monthly staff meeting of folks in the national office. And so I was leading that, that staff meeting and staff prayer time. And, and I'm just, I'm, I'm turning right now to, to 1 Timothy chapter 2, because in this First Timothy chapter two passage, the beginning, Paul talks about praying for leaders, yeah, and okay. and he you know pray for those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Uh, that's I mean that's what we want, right? And but then he goes on to say, this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So e- even the reason why we pray for peace and unity, why we pray that there's there's this that there's the sense of calm in our culture is that there would be opportunities for the gospel. It, 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 it's even framed in the mission, God's, God's heart. And, and honestly, I think my, my heart has been gripped deeply in the last two weeks uh, by the fact of asking the question, why do we do what we do? And, and I've, I've really come down to why we do what we do comes out of the compassionate heart of God for lost people in a broken mm-hmm. world that he wants to reconcile to himself. I mean, it's out of the heart of God. And so in that, that's the mission. And we keep that foremost. That helps us, I think, navigate some of these things that could blow up on us. Yeah, and just to follow up on that a little bit, Tim, you know, our church here kind of has a what we call an oikos or an oikocentric philosophy of, of ministry. And we believe that about 90% of people that come to Christ And we think we can prove that come to Christ through some relational network, uh, some some way. And so what we don't want to do is, you know, burn those bridges between me and my next door neighbor who has a Trump sign out or a Biden um, Harris sign out in his front yard. My goal is to reach my next door neighbor for Christ. He is in in my world and, you know, preparing people to change their worlds for Christ. And uh, that's what I think we got to keep back to mission, like Kevin's saying, you know, we got to go back because, and again, I'm picking on some of my friends, some of them honestly don't have a clear articulated purpose. And I think it goes back to purpose and that purpose trumps everything else, all these political discussions and everything else, because most of all, we're citizens of where? We're citizens of heaven, not just citizens of the United States. Yeah, so Jack, I think that, what I'm hearing you say is, is the need for us to really go on the offensive with mm-hmm. that message. 
I, I would say, yeah, let's jump on it. You know what I mean? I, I would really get excited about us being a little bit more intentional about reaching our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, or so forth, even if they, you know, have an opposite uh, view that we have politically. But again, it's a little bit like Kevin said, we got to listen and understand and hear what they're saying. And I do feel like, you know, I'm, I'm a conservative Republican kind of guy, but I have a lot of friends that are, are liberal Democrats and they're good, wonderful people. I, I don't agree with some of their thinking, but I, they're my friends and I wanna keep them my friends because that trumps the politics. Uh, in a way, Tim, I'm kind of an amateur politician. I was on a, a school board for 19 years, a district of about 22,000 kids, about 2,000 employees, and very involved in the political parts at a local level, not so much the partisan Democratic Republican side. But I, I treasure the opportunity to make relationships with those people uh, because I wanted them to know what, what and who Christ was, what Christianity really is. And to be able to have that influence was really wonderful for me, and I miss it. But it was, you know, a season of my life. But I still go back to that same thing. Do we have an articulated purpose? Do we have the people that are in our body that we serve and minister to? Do they understand why God's put them here? Yeah, and it's going to have to be, it's, it's on us as leaders to, to, to define that. And, you know, and to be shepherds in how we, we do that. Um, because obviously, and you guys alluded to this earlier, there's at some point there will be a decision. And I think your point is interesting about maybe being grateful that it wasn't decided last night because it gives a little bit of space for people to, you know, maybe not completely react, but there's going to be that one side that's going to win. And then the other side is going to be really angry. And then the one side that won is going to be tempted to, to gloat or whatever. But as we look at the, you know, you've been, Jack, you've been in ministry for a long time. Um, and, and you've seen, like you said, different presidential elections. Um, we talked about the, the mood of the churches, but but the, the average congregation member, what kind of emotions can we expect them to have right now? And I, I mean, you know, what, like you've seen different things and, and how, do, how do we expect them to even process this like with the church and everything? What, what are they looking for? What, are they, what, what, what do you think that, that the congregation is feeling and what are they looking for the church to do? I, I think it's all over the map, honestly. I think there's some that are angry or will be. I think there's some that are going to be bitter about this. Uh, I think there's going to be some that um, don't trust the, the government any longer in terms of how votes are counted. <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, I think there's going to be a, a, a group of folks that are maybe hopeless. They just feel like, you know, everything in their life is now down the drain, which is crazy, but that's the way they're thinking. And uh, again, and I think once we get past this election time, whatever frame that is, a week or two or three, I think we're going to be thrust back into the COVID-19 season again, uh, because I think there'll be, you know, if what the doctors are telling us, we may be in for another phase, another shutdown. You know, in California, you know, it's it's been interesting, Tim. I don't know what it's like in Arizona, but, you know, we're open for a while, then we were shut for a while. Then, you know, some guys are outside, some guys are inside. Then the guys who are outside got rained on. So what do they do? You know, it's a mask. 
and it's just crazy. You know what I mean? You, it, it's like Kevin was talking about the decision fatigue. Our guys are making decisions each week that might change the following week. You know, people talk about what are we doing for Christmas? I don't think you can even figure that out yet because there's so many factors down the road to, to determine and we don't even know what that will look like at this point. So every week is kind of a difficult time just trying to decide what we're going to do next week and the week after. But I do think you're going to have all kinds of uh, responses, Tim, honestly, all over the map in terms of people's emotional reactions. And you know, and we all know, when people are angry, they make stupid choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they, and, they, and, they and they speak out of turn. And they, and they project their anger on the people who they think can fix it, which oftentimes yeah. is us. Right. Us. Yeah. 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 Kevin? Well, I was just going to say, I think what Jeff has just described is the, is in a sense, the predicament that pastors and local church leaders find themselves in. I mean, you look at your congregation on any, you know, congregation on a Sunday, you're going to have people out there this coming Sunday that are feeling probably all of those emotions that Jack just described. And, and it's shepherding them together in, in, toward the mission of God and, and focusing on the Lord, which is really going to be significant. Um, you know, I mean, people have asked me, so what, what do you think about, this was prior to the election. What, what do you think about, what do you reflect on when you think about the election? I said, the first thing I, is, I am thankful to God that I live in a place where I can cast a vote and not worry about somebody shooting me. Or, or I can go in and cast my vote for something and know and believe that it would be counted. Now, I may be in the minority, I may be in the majority, but I have that opportunity. I think part of it for me, I, you know, I spent close to 20 years of my life traveling all over the continent of Africa. I worked with people who were in countries that were politically corrupt, where there were dictators, where there's all kinds of stuff. And I'd come home and I'd go, wow, you know, America, it's kind of a broken place, but man, it's way better than most of what I've seen. And, and so it's it, in a sense, helping people to understand, um, yeah, we have an opportunity. Uh, we participated. Now, once a decision is made, then we go, okay, the decision is made. Now the question comes, what do we do with that decision? And, and that, that, I think, is where we're going to find ourselves. And how do we point people both to the mission of God, and I'd say even in that, to our God. I mean, I, I, I want to look at, I just want to kindly and gently come alongside folks and say, so do you believe that our God is so impotent that he can't work his purposes through whoever is in, 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 in charge in a government in the United States? Do you think God can't work in that? And I go, is, you know, it may not be your preference. It may not be my preference where things are. And yet I'm convinced that the sovereignty of God is a huge thing we need to hang on to and who he is and point people to him. Yeah, I keep hearing you guys going back on this. And I think it's really important that we, we really understand that everybody gets this. And I see, if I could just speak honestly, I think what, as I've traveled to different churches in our district, I think we do a tremendous job. Um, you're going to go to an EFCA church and you're going to hear the word of God preached very well. You're going to hear the, the people are going to be well fed theologically. And, and I love all that. Um, what I'm hoping is I really want our pastors to, to feel like they have the permission to lead and the permission to speak boldly about these things, not in a way that's going to um, polarize per se, but is going to set the tone for, for how people should think and interpret the times. I think there's a prophetic role that we've got to play right now. And I hear you guys 
I hear you guys saying that in a number of different ways. Am I right, Jack, about that? Yeah, I think so. You know, it was just interesting. Last night, Tim, I got a call from a pastor, big church and good friend. And, and uh, you know, we, we, back, we went back and forth on some issues in a good way. I don't mean in a it was just stimulating conversation. And his church took a, a very strong position politically, which they historically would not have under his leadership. Uh, because, you know, I mean, you know, like they were handing out how to vote kind of pamphlets, you know, like they used to do. And, and they even had uh, a candidate come and do some of that stuff. And, and I said, would you have done all of that, uh, you know, to that level, if it wasn't for COVID-19? And he said, no, I wouldn't have, because what he was frustrated by was the fact that he couldn't regather his people. And so the COVID-19 totally affected the political process in his ministry there because, you know, they've had, it's a San Diego church and they had, um, you know, I think it was a 80% rise in suicide calls. They've had people, you know, with domestic abuse, pornography, uh, you know, all kinds of less, less, this was an interesting one too, less calls to CPS than normal. Uh, which I thought was kind of an interesting one. We can interpret that maybe different ways. But it was just fascinating to me, Tim, to hear him say, because of COVID-19, he now had swung to almost, and I'm not trying to be critical, but almost like a political church, mm -hmm. which is kind of sad to me. But that's just the way it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and what we're saying is, is this idea of, like who, if, if you, you have, you have all these news outlets and all these voices clamoring for the political stuff and even the, co who is going to be the one clamoring for the mission of God? Who is going to be the one clamoring yeah, yeah, for sure. the word of God and the importance of us as you guys? So I think well said, who cares? If, and again, I think to us, we kind of get this because we've been, we've been swimming in this water and we, it, it's almost in, like it's, it's intuitive to us. But I don't think our average congregation member really understands that the person who has the, the yard sign that's opposite of yours is not your enemy, for crying out loud. And no. I think this is the place that we have to step into. Yeah, no, I, that's a great point. And I, I, that to me ought to be the challenge of this weekend, <laughs> just uh, reminding people of that and back to the, the fact that they've been called to, to reach people for Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, you know, on that then, Kevin, I, I, you are our president and, and, you know, I know we're free. There's the evangelical free church. So, so, you know, being in, in, in denominational ministry, especially like ours, you lead much more through influence than you do through direct authority. And we're all aware of that. But um, is there anything about our ethos as evangelical free that, that can help us that can help guide us during this time. I mean, we're all here because we, we share this, this moniker, this, this brand, this identity. Um, what, what about our ethos should, should set us apart during this time? Well, I, I think there, I mean, there's several things Tim, that I think can set us apart. And, and it's a time like this that we need to go back to those fundamental, those basic things that we hold our values for us. And, and for the free church, there are some really significant values. It, it's, it's the significance of an abiding walk of faith in Jesus Christ. It's saying, it's about, we want people to come to know Jesus and their lives would be changed. Um, it, it, as you said, it's going back to what are the scriptures saying, the centrality of the gospel in what we're doing. And it's the, and it's the fact that, that 
it's about those, it's about, I would say, those gospel essentials that bring us together, and we focus on those things that bring us together. They're a part of the mission of God. And, and, and I think we need to rejoice in the fact we get to do this together. Guess what? I mean, we, part of the problem with the pandemic and with COVID-19 is God wired us as human beings to be in relationship with each other. And this pandemic has just flown in the face of that because there's either we can't gather like we'd like, we, we're wondering, you know, if, if, I mean, I, I remember in the early days talking to some folks during this pandemic, they, they said, I went for a walk in my neighborhood. One friend said, I went for a walk in my neighborhood and I'd see the people walking toward me on the street and I'm like, oh no, you're going to infect me. And there was this <laughs> sense of wanting to just stay away from them. Well, yeah. that, that flies in the face of how God made us. And, and I think who we are as a free church we're gospel-centered, we're people of the word, we're people on mission with God, we get to do it together. And we focus on these essentials of, of what the gospel is and not get sidetracked on some of those other things. Now, certainly there, there, are, there are implications for the gospel that ought to affect our relationship with each other and how we look at our work in the world and how we look at other people, all of those things, that's all very true. But we need to come back to say, what are those essential things that, that call us together? And I think there's some great things that we can unite on and move forward. And rather than looking at what divides us, let's look at what unites us that, that's focused on the person and character of our God and the mission that he's called us to that's focused on the gospel. So in some ways, I think we're positioned really well right now to speak mm. into our culture in a way that we speak biblical truth and we do it winsomely with love. You know, just a quick thought that popped in my mind related to what Kevin was saying there, Tim. I, you know, it was just a couple of weeks ago, I did a devotion for a group of guys, and we were just talking about Christ-likeness. You know, we look at the Romans eight twenty nine passage. And, you know, there's only one place in the Gospels that I know of where Jesus describes himself. And it's in Matthew 11. He says, I am humble and gentle of heart. So we say we want to be Christ-like. Okay. To be Christ-like, in his own words, he said, humble and gentle of heart. Those are the kind of people we want to be, humble and gentle of heart. So that's been on my mind the last couple of weeks, just because, you know, if we went around the group today, we'd probably get all kinds of characteristics of what Christ was like. And I don't even mean those are necessarily wrong, but I do know that's how he described himself. Yeah. I, that, guys, you guys, that's ladies and gentlemen on this call, I mean, that's golden. This, what you're hearing right now is just golden in my mind. But I think as we're talking, though, we are going to draw fire, and we have drawn fire, friendly fire, a lot of friendly fire. Can you gentlemen speak to how we, how the pastors on this call and leaders on this call can deal with that, with criticism? How have you dealt with criticism? Because we're, we're, here's the thing. You're weak. You're you're not you're not paying attention to the to the what's really going on. You're burying your head in the sand. You're bowing to the government. You're you're being reckless. It comes from every single side. And as we continue to take this this really unpopular, even among our own people, sure. unpopular stand of it's about the gospel. You know that's what it's about. We're going to continue to take fire. How how do we deal with that? Well, to a degree, Tim, I, I think we, I wish I had the answer to that one in, in a, yeah. like one sentence, right, Jack? I mean, it'd be great if yeah. we go, here's the one, here's, here's the prescription for you related to that. Yeah. Um, let me tell you what, I, what, what God's been doing in my heart. I am, if this is, if, if this is helpful for you, um, 
this has been a season where God has just continued to really um, shape and sharpen who I am in the midst of this. And, uh, I, and, and have just, he's been, he's been doing some work in my soul about how, how I see myself in light of the comments and, co- and things that are coming my way about a host of things. And I know they're coming your way, pastors. You should do this. You should do that. You should speak on this. You should speak on that. Um, and we live in a day and age, honestly, where people believe if they've said something, they've done something which to me is just, we have to go, wait a minute, just because you said something doesn't mean you've done anything other than you've said something. What are you going to do? I mean, part of that. But as I've looked at this for myself, I've just come down to, 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 to wrestle with these questions of who am I in Christ and what difference does that make for me? Now, I know that can sound trite and it can sound like yeah, that's the Sunday school answer to this, but I have to tell you, for me, there are days where I just want to go, okay, I'm done here. This is just like, um, you know, Walmart doesn't have greeters anymore. If they did, I'd apply. You know, you, 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 you kind of get to that and you get You'd to that, I'm kind of done here, right? <laughs> and, and then, but then I come back and I say, wait a minute, if, if I'm looking at who I am based upon the comments people are making about me or to me, then I'm missing who I am really in the eyes of God. And, and it's, it's been, I could, this is something we, we can have another whole webinar on this one, Tim. Um, God, God has really been shaping me for about a two-year journey on asking the question, what really drives me? And, and I become face-to-face with the fact that I was driven by shame in my life. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, I, I, it wasn't about what I did. It was about who I am. Yeah. And, and I, I looked at a room full of our Reach Global missionaries in Europe, and I told them some of my story about a year and a half ago about how God's been shaping me in that. And, and there were just tears in the room. It's like, it's like you're not the only one. But there's this sense of, of saying, I am not adequate in who I am. And, and, and between the word of God, the spirit of God, and my wife, who is incredible. I mean, there are times where she will look at me and she will say, that is not who you are. Yeah. And I just need somebody to speak truth to me. And I think to some degree, we need some people around us who love us enough to say, you need to remember who you are in Christ. And you've got to hang on to that. And if we don't have a few people who are breathing life into us, we are going to get sucked down the drain. And I just would encourage you. I don't know where you're going to find those. If it's, if it's one or two people that can speak words of life and hope into you right now, you need that. That'll point you back to the truth of who you are in Christ and what matters with that. And I have to tell you, it's a daily battle for me. And yeah. it probably is going to be for you. But I, I we need Kevin, those life-giving Kevin, yeah. Kevin, you're right on there. You know, just working with some pastors that are in my world, um, you know, we hear a lot of times about challenge, the challenges and the support. The more challenges that we face, the more support we need. And so I, I would be more inclined, and I've challenged some of my friends, to find two or three guys that have your back and talk with them each week. Pray with them each week. Of all the times in the history of our these men and women that are leading ministries, they need support. And what happens as the challenges go up, we probably get less support because of what Tim asked of the criticism. And so we need that. And so I, I would just challenge all these folks, you know, get some people around you. It doesn't have to be elders. It doesn't have to be staff members. It might even be people that don't even go to your church that love you and care about you that you can talk with and just debrief with pray with, be encouraged by. But if you don't have those, I, I honestly feel like sometimes we talk about being senior 
senior leaders like this loneliness. And I do believe there's some loneliness attached to that, but often the loneliness is by your own choice. And so you need to move away from that and reach out a little bit and come alongside some, have some people come alongside you, especially at these challenging times that we're facing, you need more support than you've ever had or needed probably before. Well, and Jack, what yeah. you said earlier is so true. COVID has exacerbated that for yeah. all of us yeah. because we're, we're now more separate than we've ever been. Right. And as much as, you know, as much as Zoom and, you know, uh, Teams and whatever else we use to do video calls, as much as that's helpful, it is not like sitting across the table from a friend with a cup of coffee and looking at the whites of their eyes. Amen. And, and I think for us as leaders, we need to be proactive in saying, who is investing in my life? Somebody needs to be life-giving to you. And, um, and it's finding some of those folks that you can be open and honest with, you can pray with, who will look at you, who will do what... Uh, um, uh, my, my wife, Becky, heard me make a comment about something and, and she, she looked me just sternly, she looked me right in the eyes and she said, don't say that, that is not who you are. Mm. And I yeah. go, wow, thanks for loving me enough to say that. Because I could have gone off in a place that would not have been healthy and somebody who loved me told me the truth. Yeah. And, and we need that. Otherwise, we're just, we're just in this cacophony of noise. And, and, it, and it's not only noise, it's, it's, it's debilitating noise because it's like they're just knocking you. It's like people are trying to knock you, knock you out at the knees um, and maybe not even purposely, but that's what it feels like. Yeah. You know, Tim, on the criticism thing, again, we could talk along. You could probably do a whole thing on this. But I think the first thing is, you know, is, is the criticism legitimate to me? You know, I want to examine that and be honest with the Lord and myself about whatever they're criticizing me for. But, you know, it's interesting, and I can't remember the passage. It's in First Kings somewhere where David's going through the valley, and Abishai's up on the hill throwing rocks at him, calls him a bloodthirsty man and all that stuff. I don't know if you guys remember that passage. And I think David's right-hand man wants to go up on the hill and cut the guy's head off. And David says, don't do that. For whatever reason, God's allowed that to occur. Because I do think, again, within reason, I do believe criticism can be valuable to us. And so we got to take it for what it's worth. Now, the other thing is even how to respond to it. I, I think there's a danger when we get beat up, maybe in uh, social media or even Instagram or, you know, I just I think sometimes it's just better not to respond, period. That's my take. And you guys would maybe disagree with me, but I just think that that might be a wiser tactic sometimes. Now, there's sometimes if I'm being criticized or any of our guys, my first advice to them, if it's kind of legitimate, make sure that you meet that people. And I know it's difficult to do that in COVID-19, but at least a phone call and don't get in this stupid, you know, email back and forth thing. That doesn't work. Yeah, yeah because, and again, the, this is so important because all of this stuff, what we're, what we're saying is, as, as pastors, as leaders, we have got to set the tone. We've got to go on the offensive. We've got to define the mission. And that is going to draw fire because you're not going to do what people want you to do. And how are you going to deal with that? And, and so what we're hearing is you've got to get some people around you, which is one of the reasons why it's important that you're on this call. And, you know, and I think it's also the idea of, uh, I always appreciated, you know, Spur the old Spurgeon, you know, blind eye and the deaf ear and that sort of thing. And it's like, you know, you just got to process all that. The other thing that's really helpful is is being careful about social media. And 
and, and all of the things that that conjures up, but we've got to prepare ourselves for it. And even the idea of, of the more that you, more responsibility, the more challenges you face, the more support that you need. So you lean into those things as you go into a challenging season, you don't go away from them. And I think that is our responsibility. Like no one's going to, you know, I hate to say it, but no one's going to care about you more than you are in that area because they're not going to know. So you've got to be the one to fend for yourself to make sure that you've got those people and parameters in your life, yeah. you know? Well, and, and with that too, Tim, I think it's it's important that we that we make sure we are able to have some margin in our lives as well. And this is a time where we have to fight for margin um, because it's, 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 it's just hard to find. And yet it's that time. I mean, for, for example, I, Becky and I walk for 45 minutes every morning early and it's our time to just be together. It's margin time. The phone is off. I'm not looking at email and, and I, I need that. I, I need some margin time. And, and, and I think as hard as that is during these days, a part of wisdom is to say, I need some of that along with the people that need to be speaking into our lives as well. Yeah, and yeah, so I, I want to really amen that one because, again, I, I know several pastors that have any, they had vacations planned and they didn't even do them this summer because of the yeah. busyness of, you know, trying to do their online services and do live either at night or morning or whatever. And, and I think what you originally started out with, that's added to their exhaustion. Yes. You know what I mean? It's just added a problem. And, uh, and at, you can only do that for so long. At some point, there's going to be the Pied Piper is going to be paying to be paid because it's going to lead to burnout and other kinds of things if, if they don't address that. And that's why you, I think you need those two or three brothers or sisters coming alongside of you to uh, provide that support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so what I'm, what you guys are hearing from both of these men, I think that's really key is you have the, the EFCA president and you have a, a, a longtime well-respected leader in the church uh, telling, giving you permission, right? Giving you permission to draw those boundaries and to step away and to take care of yourself. That's what I'm hearing. So, yeah. Well, yeah. and I, I, that's so true, Tim. Uh, one of the things, and I, I talked about this with some pastors in the early days of the pandemic, not knowing how long this was going to go, is, is that I think we, we do need to also say there, is a long, there has to be a long-term view on this. Um, in, in 1918, 1919, the, 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 flu, the flu pandemic in that time ended. I mean, it came to the point they didn't have antibiotics, they didn't have all the stuff we had. Eventually, eventually it, 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 it wound itself down. At some point, we're going to come out of this. What this is going to look like, I don't know. But some of the, some, at some point, my concern is if we are so exhausted trying to just get through the pandemic, we'll have nothing left to offer when it's over. And to some degree, it's having that longer view that says, I need some margin, need to have some people around me, take it so that I'm care, so that the care for your own soul and the soul of your family um, and the soul of some key leaders, that, that you're doing that so that when we do move into the future and maybe some incredible opportunities for the gospel are there that we're not so exhausted where you throw the towel in and walk away yeah yeah and and that actually is and one, one other important thing i wanted to get to is because many of us you know it's not just ourselves and our and it's also our families but it's also the staff 
that we lead and caring for them. Um, I mean, Jack, are there a few things you could help us with? How, how, how do we care for our staff and, and help them manage their own longevity and, and perseverance because they're feeling this as, as well? Are there, are there anything, anything you can give us to, to kind of help us lead, lead well in that area? Yeah, uh, you know, that, again, Tim, that's a good point. I, I kind of almost want to take the other side of it for a second, um, especially on the political side and even the Black Lives Matter side. Um, I've seen churches that are having a hard time with some of their staff because staff are posting things that are inappropriate. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily represent the view of the church, let's say, if the church even has a view on that matter. And one church I know of actually had to uh, let a staff member go because of some of the social media presence. And I do think, again, this is just a kind of a, hopefully a kind warning. You, If you have a staff and, and you know that there might be uh, some things that are posted that you might not be in harmony with, you probably need to address that and be on top of that. Because we will even have people coming and, you know, and saying, does this represent the view of the church? And it might not. And where it gets really complicated is when you have a staff member's spouse posting things uh, because they don't work for us. I can talk to somebody and say, you work for us, please knock it off. This is not the position. But do I tell maybe that pastor's wife that? That gets kind of crazy to me. <laughs> so uh, struggling with that at that level. But back to your question, I was kind of taking the negative side of it. Yeah. But I, I do think that um, I, I, I don't, I think our staff here at High Desert is busier than they've ever been because they're still trying to do digital church on the weekends during the week and still have some kind of gatherings occasionally, you know, doing different things. And I just think there's a weariness there. You know, we can go to that Galatians passage where do not grow weary in well-doing because in due time you will reap. We can say that and challenge our staff with that, but at some point we got to give them a break. And uh, I, I think the same thing we were just talking about ourselves I think the same thing, we need to make sure that they're getting rest and so forth. It's interesting too, when you talk about digital school, I've noticed this too, the, the staff here that have young kids uh, are really struggling with digital school and the, the busyness of that. And then I was talking to a pastor, it's part of EV3, uh, Chris Brown, a couple weeks ago, and he's telling me how much he loves junior high and high school being at home with him. He said it's been the greatest time with COVID-19 because those kids can do all their own school, you know, with their, their Chromebooks, the junior high and high school kids, and they do a lot of fun activities. But that's a lot different when you've got preschoolers and first and second graders. So there's a two different schools of thought there on that matter. But I do think, you know, trying to provide that and really honestly trying to stay on top of your team and being aware of how they're doing. And that is based on relationships. So you got to keep working on that. We can't pull away and, you know, fall into these pity parties for ourselves. I have to go out and find out how the team is doing one-on-one. -on -one. How you doing, sister? How you doing, brother? And, uh, and then if there's some needs there, I need to take care of that and not ignore that. So I have a responsibility in that role. All of you guys and gals do. You got people that serve under you. You better find out how those people are doing because they might be as exhausted as you are.
Mm. Yeah, and you set the tone for that too as the leader. Yes. So if you're running, right? You know, if you're running, they're gonna they're gonna be like, well, he doesn't, you know, she doesn't take any time off. I can't either. Um, Kevin, do you have anything to add to that? Well, yeah, Tim, you were going to write down the, the direction I was going to go down. I, I think recognizing that it's important, not just what we say, but what we do. And, and I used to kid myself uh, back when I was, um, you know, pastor um, in San Jose and during some of my time uh, with Reach Global and even during the last, you know, five, five and a half years in the role I'm in that, hey, I, I, I can go like a wild man and a crazy guy with, with tons of energy. I mean, God's given me this high energy level and I love what I do and I'm just going to keep going and, and I'm going to tell you, you ought to rest. And then people look at me and I'm not. And there's a certain amount of, I had to learn, I have to model some of that for them as well. I have to, I have to model some margin in my life. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and some of that is even when I respond to emails um, and, and, you know, said, I'm not sending people's emails at, at 10 o'clock at night. Um, I might, you know, I mean, I might be working on them, but I'm not going to send them till the next day because I don't want to be banging, you know, I don't want their phones to light up at 10 o'clock at night with stuff that I'm sending them. And so part of that is modeling that. And part of that as well as recognizing, uh, yeah, I need to say it. I need to do exactly what Jack says, have those conversations. Really, how are you doing? And, and, and give them the, the opportunity to be open about it because there, there's some weariness out there and I'm just concerned we're going to get to toward the end of the pandemic and people are just going to walk away. They're just exhausted. And they'll go, man, we held it all together. And, and, and now I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. And, and that'll hurt us in the long run. Did yeah. you, uh, Kevin, uh, did, I think it was Eddie Cole that you had that article with uh, when you were talking about unity, Eddie Cole yeah. had written that right. and he listed some things that Tom Rainer had given. And it was like right. six or seven things that Rainer had said, uh, you know, I don't even remember the numbers, but, uh, you know, there's a high percentage of people that are now thinking about leaving the ministry. I think it was as high as 20%. Yeah, but, it was two uh, out of five. It was, it was, yeah, yeah it was about 20% yeah. of pastors that, 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 uh, that Tom and his organization had talked to that they believe would are contemplating walking away from ministry, not just going to another ministry, just walking yeah, away. Totally walking away. Just totally walking away. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and we just, we can't afford to lose that number of people and we just can't. So it's, it's, um, absolutely important for all of us to, to heed this, um, every single one of us. And so again, this has been so, th this is exactly what I was hoping that it would be. It is post election reflections because we're talking about all of these dimensions that are impacting us. And so, you know, and again, uh, one of the quotes that, that uh, was put up here was Dean Acheson um, that was sent to me, uh, Harry Truman, secretary of state said at the top, there are no easy choices. All are between evils the consequences of which are hard to judge. It's the fog of war, you guys. It's the fog of war. It's like, we gotta do something. We don't know if it's gonna work. And that's where, that's where we are in a lot of ways. And I think part of the reason we come together is to say, it's okay if you're feeling that way. It's, it's part of the deal. But what's not okay is for you to, be in, to isolate yourself, to get bitter, to get angry, and to say no one was there to help. That's why we have EFCA. That's why we have EFCA West. That's why we have leaders and mentors like, like, uh, like Kevin and like Jack. And so um, you guys are among people that you men and women are among people that love you and care about you and have dedicated Amen. their lives and want to make sure you finish well. And, and let's get through this together.
And so um, I want to ask um, one of those who, who is also on our staff, Bob um, Osborne, if you would close our time in prayer. But I want to say if any of this, if you have any follow-up questions at all, um, and uh, any follow-up questions or thoughts you want to talk some more offline about this, please reach out. That's one of the reasons why you get an annoying video from me every week in your email inbox it is because I'm just like, you don't, have to, you don't have to watch it all, but you know we're there. You know we're here for you. And we're serious about this. Jack, you had one final thought? Yeah, no, I just want to give you that famous Jay, Jay Leno quote, because I have a weird sense of humor. He said, you know, if God wanted us to vote, he would have given us better candidates. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah there you go there we are there we are so but but again we what you're here what you heard today was you have permission you we've got to be about the mission we've got to be on the offensive about keeping the mission clear and we've got it and you, you you have permission to do that and permission to go at that hard knowing that you're going to take on some water knowing that you're going to take some slings and arrows um, but that's okay because we're standing shoulder to shoulder in this and, and uh, we love Amen. and appreciate all of you. So um, Bob, would you, would you close our time in prayer? I would be pleased to do so. Uh, pray with me. Father God, thank you so much for uh, this hour. Thank you for the ministry of Jack and of Kevin and of, of Tim uh, among us and their encouraging words. Uh, Lord, in, in this difficult time that we face, um, as I think about those of us who serve in the ministry of leadership in our churches. I think the, the thing that, that I believe you put on my mind is help us, Lord, to keep our eyes on you instead of on our surroundings. Uh, perhaps the example of Peter walking on the water. Lord, help us keep our eyes on you so that we don't fall and sink in the waves. Lord, help us follow you instead of, of public opinion or angry people in our church. Help us to be able to keep our minds on you. May we through the strengthening of your Holy Spirit, um, lead from uh, positions of strength and courage, not in ourselves, but again, strength and courage that we derive from you. And Lord, may you actually spur us all to action uh, in regards to expressing the interdependency that we have upon one another as brothers and, and sisters in Christ and especially with the commonality of the responsibility, the burden of all the churches, of caring for all the churches. Lord, may we seek uh, comfort and wisdom and encouragement from one another, and may we be quick to provide it to one another in the days, weeks, and months ahead. We look forward to what you're doing, even though there's some degree of, of fear and trepidation, yet we know uh, with great confidence that you are in control. So, Lord, again, help us keep our eyes on you to lead from strength and courage in you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, yeah. thank you very much. 